from the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode nine of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. My name is Dean Millard. The director of scouting for TSN will be along shortly. But the stars of tomorrow are discovered here. And boy, do we have some big ones today. Jamie Drysdale and Top Shelf Talent. J.J. Paterka and Charlie DeRoche in the next wave and in Time Machine, Tyson Forrester compared to somebody from the 2003 draft and Simon Edmondson as we speed ahead to 2021. Here is your trivia question. We're talking about Jamie Drysdale of the Erie Otters. Name the only Erie Otter defenseman to be taken in the first round of the NHL. The only Erie Otter defenseman to be taken in the first round of the NHL. Here's a hint. He played in the 2001 Top Prospects game. You'll probably get it, but try not to look it up. Certainly try to get it off the top of your head. By the way, Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. Check it out at www.uffsports.com. It is easily the most realistic fantasy platform out there. They have hockey right now. They've launched MMA. More details on that to come. So if you're into UFC, you can actually own some of these fighters on your roster. You can trade. Uh, I don't know all the details about MMA, but I do know the details about hockey, and it's amazing. And not only can you own a franchise or become a GM, uh, these franchises are always looking for GMs. And by the way, this is high-stakes fantasy. Um, uh, you know, this is an investment for some people, and our prize pool is already over $25,000 for next year. Yeah, uh, I did not, uh, you, you did, uh, hear, hear me correctly. Our prize pool is over $25,000 for next year. Holy shnikes. Yeah, indeed. So anyway, you can also be a scout in this platform, just like Craig Button. Uh, you will be scouting, uh, some of the best players that are prospects and then when they get auctioned or you sell them directly to franchises, you make money. So check it out, uffsports.com. It is amazing. Become a scout, track the same players that Craig Button does. All right, we got some actual big news uh, in our news and notes. Top 21, 2021 draft pick Mason McTavish of the Peterborough Peets in the OHL is in Switzerland right now, training with Lugano. Former Kamloops Blazer defenseman Nat Dominicelli is the GM there. And with the OHL season starting late, I'm wondering if he'll stay and start the season there. He could play the whole year if he wanted to. He really could. He could play this whole year in Switzerland, then get drafted in the 2021 draft and go to the AHL. If he didn't want to, you know, come back and forth, he has dual citizenship in Switzerland. So, you know, depending on the roster limits, he doesn't count as an import. And hell, if he really likes it over there, he could play for Switzerland in the World Juniors. 
uh, Canada would really miss him. So this is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I, I I would probably just stay over there. If he's good enough and if the, the league and Dominic Kelly thinks he can play and you have all the requirements, that'll be one to watch. Also, the World Junior in 2021. Speaking of uh, Mason McTavish, he would be a candidate for that tournament. In Edmonton and Red Deer, there will be no fan attendance, uh, according to Rene Fessel of the uh, IIHF. Now, Hockey Canada will lose some money on this, and we can all talk about how rich Hockey Canada is, but some of their programs will lose money because of the lack of this funding. So I, I'm wondering if they could just push it back. You know, if, if you just look at a few months later, maybe. Maybe then you can allow some fans. And if you can't, then you use the tournament as normal. You know, providing you're not uh, bleeding into playoffs and things like that uh, in different leagues. And uh, the QMJHL is looking to start in in October. And I've always wondered why. And now uh, I've been talking to a few people. And there's a few reasons why they can do it. First of all, they have bubbles. So you got the Maritimes. That's a bubble. They're not leaving or playing against anybody but the Maritimes. You got the teams in the the eastern part of Quebec and the teams in the western part. They're not playing anybody except themselves. So they're all in bubbles within themselves. And here's the other X factor. There are no U.S. teams. Only Canadian Hockey League, CHL League to not have U.S. teams. So there's no border crossing. And this is big news too. The NCAA is allowing guys to play junior hockey. Before... If I was a one-and-done college player whose season was canceled, I'd be off to Europe in a heartbeat. Now, this is an option. Colleges are not allowed to help financially uh, pay for their players, and uh, players can't accept payments, etc., from the team they're joining. But uh, Harvard's Henry Thrun is joining Dubuque of the USHL. He's a Ducks fourth-rounder from 2019, and I'm sure we'll see some others. Uh, so this is interesting uh, where guys can go and play. And that, now, from what I've read, they still have to be uh, academically uh, eligible and enrolled in the school in the school uh, that they're in so not sure how that's going to play out but that option is there uh, for uh, a number of players all right craig button up next here he is the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. All right, TSN's Craig Button, who joins us uh, on the UFFS hotline, will join us uh, right after we get into the vital stats. Back to Drysdale. He winds in. Drysdale fires, scores! Jamie Drysdale! Jamie Drysdale is a right defenseman with Erie. He was born in Toronto, Ontario. He's 5'11", 170 pounds in 49 games, almost a point a game. Nine goals, 38 assists for 47 points. And he is ranked fifth on the Craigslist. Great pass in for Stutzler. Slides it back across. They score! John Paterka, power play goal. John Jason Paterka is a left winger. Played with EHC Muchen. He's from Muchen, Germany. 5'11", 192 pounds, 42 games, 
at seven goals, four assists for 11 points. He's ranked 42 on the Craigslist. For Dawson, stairs, dishes off a shot. They score. Charlie DeRoche with a bullet. Charlie DeRoche is a right defenseman from St. John. He's from Day Corner, was born in Day Corner, PEI. 5'10", 170 pounds, 64 games. He had five goals, 28 assists for 33 points. And he's ranked 103rd on the Craigslist. Quickly out in front. Forrester shot scores! Tyson Forrester. And Tyson Forrester is an 80-point right winger for the Barry Colts. He'll be compared to somebody from the 2003 NHL Draft. Pocket picks his pocket. In on Fane, the shot, he scores! Let's check out some top shelf talent. Off the bar and in over the glove hand. Another rifle shot up to the upper right hand corner. That's a beautiful goal right there. Holy smokes. Top shelf! as we explore first-round potential. From the Halifax Mooseheads, Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon through traffic, McKinnon goes down on the shot, and scores! Nathan! Top shelf talent today, Jamie Drysdale. Right defenseman from Erie, ranked fifth on the Craig's list. And Craig, is it a little bit hard to narrow down what he does best because he seems to do everything so well? I, I, I think you just uh, put it in a nutshell. And, 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 you know, rarely do I project a defenseman coming into the draft as a number one defenseman. I, I'll say top pair and allow for it. But much like Bo Byram in the 2019 draft, you know, I, I think Jamie Drysdale is a, a, a number one defenseman. Uh, the fortunate thing for me, and I, and I, I really use the word fortunate, uh, you know, uh, strongly, I said, I've watched Jamie play since he was playing midget hockey with the Marlies in Toronto. And, you know, an excellent skater and great with the puck. And so, you know, you're, you, you have the puck, you, you can skate, you can dictate the game in so many different ways. And, you know, you're going to put up big offensive numbers. And, and, and certainly that's what Jamie did. And that's why he was a high pick in the Ontario Hockey League draft. But, you know, a lot of defensemen, as they, as they progress and they go into junior at 16 years of age, they have to learn, okay, some of the things I did in midget, I can't do the same things. And I had, I always say this about defensemen as they progress and move up the, the, the levels, a big part of their learning is what they can't do that they once could do when they were younger. The thing about Jamie Drysdale that's impressed me from 15 to 16 to 17. And now he's 18 is how he has understood what his areas of strengths are and then how to maximize them in every area of the game. He's not just that rushing defenseman that just he, he uses his skating defensively. He uses it in the offensive zone. He uses it in transition. He uses his puck skills to, to, to get the puck moving from the defensive zone, to, to make those precision passes in the offensive zone. And, and his brain, I'm, I'm telling you, his brain is magnificent. His hockey sense, his ability to make things look easy, you know, and, and, and nothing is ever easy, but he makes it look easy because the head 
the hands and the feet are are are, are really really top notch. And you know, I, I'm just I, I am so impressed with the way he plays the game. You know, I'll tell you what Dale Hunter told me. He said at the world after the World Junior, he said, Craig. He goes, you, you really like Jamie Drysdale. He's a right shot defenseman. You call him a number one defenseman, can do everything in the game. Why wouldn't he go number one? Hmm. And, and, and you know what? I, I don't know if I have a good answer for Dale. <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting uh, concept. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the kind of the draft order and I'm looking at where the Ottawa senators are and their two picks. And when you talk about smart players, you know, the Ottawa Senators come, could come out with the two uh, highest hockey IQ guys in Cole Perfetti and Jamie Drysdale with those picks. And, man, the IQ level on that Senator team would go up uh, drastically with both of those players because it sounds like Drysdale, you know, sees the game as well as anybody from that back end. Oh, I, I totally agree. And, you know, you know, we're watching the, the NHL playoffs, right? And, and, again, because I've had the luxury of watching McCarr from a young age and Quinn Hughes from a young age and Rasmus Dahlin from a young age and who's not playing and Miro Haskinen from a young age, you know, you, you know, everybody's seeing the brilliance of their game, right? They're all mm-hmm. number one defensemen. They're all number one defensemen. Let me just see. Dahlin went first overall. Haskinen went three. McCarr went four. And Quinn Hughes went seven. So, you know, we, we can look back at a draft and go, well, maybe he should have gone here or should have gone there. But, I mean, number one defenseman that can control the game, and I think those four defensemen are going to be in the Norris Trophy conversation for years to come. And, you know, Bowen Byram, in my view, and Jamie Drysdale, in my view, are that next group of defensemen coming through that I think are going to be number one defensemen that we very well could be talking about as, as this kind of – generation not that there's a big generational gap but mm. this generation of players that are going to uh uh you know compete for the norris trophy a lot of scouting sources have him rated uh, along with jake sanderson as uh, you know the best skaters in the draft what specifically do you like about how drysdale gets around the ice well i mean he, he is fast but it, it's also that he he, he has this ability to, to I, he's like an F1 race car driver. He can gear up, he can gear down, he can corner, he, he can make those tight maneuvers, you know, to, to, to pass, right? And, and you have to have that maneuverability, pivoting, the, the, the really good footwork and, and, and opportunities to, to slip through the slightest of openings. So, you know, Jake... You know, when I think about Jake and Jake's dad, Jeff, you know, Jeff was a speedster. Like, if, if, if I was going to describe use race car driving, I would say that Jeff was the, the drag car racer. He was the guy, get on that line and go and get me the puck. Whereas Jake is more of that F1 uh, race car driver. And I see the same thing with Jamie Drysdale. They're, they're subtle. But make no mistake about it, they're exceptional skaters. Because it's not just about speed. It's about leverage. It's about, you know, strength uh, as you're turning left, strength as you're turning right, the ability to hold off checks, the ability to use your quickness, just just that little notch to get through and to understand, okay, this is what, this is the gear I have to use. That speaks to hockey sense as much as it does to their skating ability, but but they know, like a, like a really good F1 race car driver, 
they know how to use their speed, their quickness, and their agility to maximize uh, their contributions in the game. So you can be, I think, a top-pairing defenseman, and you don't have to provide a, a whole lot of offense. But to be a number one defenseman, I think you have to have the whole, the whole package. Defend, uh, shut guys down, uh, play, you know, play against the other best players, and provide offense. How does Jamie Drysdale, how does he provide and contribute to the offensive game? Well, okay, so, and I totally agree with your assessment there. That That is the great, to me, that's exactly how I differentiate between top pair and number one. And, and, and there is a difference in my evaluations. But again, so Jamie, so Jamie is, you know, it's not, it's everywhere on the ice. He, he has that ability to not only see, you know, where the next play is, but he, he can really maximize it by understanding, I need to get the puck to that guy quickly, or I need to join the rush quickly or I need to jump into the offensive zone here, or I need to make this pass here to open up this uh, opportunity there. Like, you know, I, I had the great luxury of being around Sergei Zuboff for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And Sergei Zuboff could open up the ice with his mind as good as anybody I've ever seen. And, you know, and he was an excellent skater. He was an excellent, but, but it didn't matter where Sergei had the puck on the ice or where he didn't have the puck. He understood where he could support the offensive thrust. And, you know, if, if Sergei just wanted to be that one, like just, I think, I mean, Sergei did lead the New York Rangers in scoring during the 93-94 regular season. Only one other defenseman has ever done that on a Stanley Cup champion, and his name happens to be Bobby Orr. <laughs> and, but but I, I really believe that if Sergei Zuboff wanted to be a 90-point guy, he could have been it. But, but, but his game was so well-rounded. And that's how I see Jamie Drysdale. So, you know, it's not, it's not a booming shot. It, it, it's not this, you know, dangling uh, uh, skill with the, you know, as you're stick handling up the ice. It, it's everywhere. Like, like I'm, watching, I'm watching now the Dallas Stars play. And I'm watching how those defensemen become part of the attack. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if you don't mark those Dallas defensemen, you're going to pay a price. Like, I wouldn't be worried about the forwards on the ice against me. I'd be worried about those defensemen. Jamie Drysdale, that's the type of defenseman he is. You better mark him. You better make sure that whatever you're doing, you pay him the appropriate amount of attention. Because whether he has the puck or he doesn't have the puck, and no matter where he is on the ice, he's dangerous. And, you know, I go back to the 2000 Stanley Cup final, and – we lost to the New Jersey Devils, and I'll be quite frank with you. We never had an answer for Scott Niedermeyer because it didn't matter if Scott had the puck. It didn't matter where he was on the ice. It didn't matter if he was skating or not skating. He impacted the series in such a significant way that he tilted it into their favor, and we, we, we just never could find an answer for him. That's what great players do. They force you to not only have to really pay attention to them and mark them, but if you don't, they make you pay. That's where I see Jamie Drysdale. Time for the next wave. Score! Braden Point got it done. 35 seconds into overtime. There are great players. Ryan O'Reilly, come get the Smythe Trophy. Superstars. Puck up free, score! From Craig Bergeron, who tied the game even Hall of Famers after the first round. Becky scores! Becky got it 
Let's move on to the next wave now, Craig. And uh, the first guy that we're talking about is John Jason Paterka, left winger uh, with uh, EHC Muchen, uh, ranked 42nd on the Craig's list. And his uh, his countryman, uh, Tim Stutzla from Germany, is getting all the hype. But could you see two Germans going in the first round with Paterka going late in the first? I could see three Germans going in the first round because you can't exclude Lucas Reichel either. Right, that's right. You know, I think that uh, there's no question on my main Stutzel is going in the first round, but but definitely J.J. Paterka and Lucas Reichel are candidates to go in the first round. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, when I watch when I watch J.J. play, there's not one area of his game that really you go wow or geez, you know, that's where he hangs his hat, but. You watch him play, and, and, and he adapts. He understands what's unfolding. He, he, he can get to a spot on the ice, you know, to, to, to receive a pass. He understands where a puck has to go if he does have a play to make. And, you know, he, he's got this kind of equal balance of playmaking and scoring, but a really smart player. So, you know, I've compared him to Ricard Raquel with the Anaheim Ducks. And Ricard Raquel is never going to wow you with the up and down, you know, highlight type moves. But good players want to play with him. Why do good players want to play with Ricard Raquel? Because he's a smart player and he knows how to get the puck into the hands of the top players. He knows how to get into areas on the ice where those good players can get him the puck. And, you know, I go back to, to the Pittsburgh Penguins when they were having lots of success. And, you know, everybody would think that, like, you know, if you said to somebody, geez, you know who I think would be two really good wingers for uh, Sidney Crosby? Chris Kunitz and Pascal Dupuis. And people would look at you with eyes crossed and, like, shake their head and go, what? But those guys were so good for Sydney because their hockey sense was exceptional. Mm-hmm. and. They had the skill. They had skill to be able to, to, to play at that level. But they understood how to ensure that they could take advantage of everything Sydney was doing and to help Sydney be the best he could be. And that's that, that's the type of player I see J.T. Paterka as. Yeah, no, the statistics he put up in the in the DL, you know, don't tell you a, a lot because he's a young player. I'm sure he wasn't getting... Uh, the the power play ice time and things like that. But you can probably learn a lot from a player in that type of season. You know, what is he learning from watching some of the other guys and being around uh, some of the other guys? As you said, this isn't the guy that's going to wow you with statistics. You, you, you know, watch him play the game. And what did you, what do you see in him as far as his development playing in that league? Well, I mean, when you're playing in a DEL and you're a 17 year old player turning 18 during the course of the season, you know, one of the things that those players that, that are playing pro have already advanced, right? So, like, they, they have a maturity about them, not only physical, but mental. I mean, he's playing against players that have, that have played in the NHL. So, you have to be able to hold your own. You have to be able to hold your own from a skill point of view, being able to skate, being able to contribute, make play. But you've got to be able to, to hold your own mentally. And, and by, I'm talking about the hockey sense, the ability to read the plays. And, and I think one of, the, one of the things about JJ, too, is you have to understand when you're 17, 18 years of age, what you may want to do is not necessarily what you're capable of doing at that age. I see a lot of young players, 
you know, and I, I talk, you know, a player coming from midget to junior. You know, it's very rare for a 16-year-old player to come into junior hockey and be really prolific. Even though they've been really prolific at, 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 in midget and high draft picks, it's hard. But understanding what you can do and not getting frustrated by it and still finding a way to contribute and grow and develop are really key elements. But if you don't understand what you might not be ready to do at a particular moment in time, and that moment in time might be six weeks, it might be three months. We see lots of progression, Dean. You've seen it over the years where a player comes in and you're going, oh boy, uh, October, he doesn't look like he can really hold his own. You, you pick up your head at the end of November, you go, oh, he looks like he's getting a little bit better. In February, you go, oh boy, he's going to be a good player, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've seen that mm-hmm. for, for years in junior hockey. I think it's the same thing with J.J. Paterka. And I think that that is what speaks to such excellent hockey sense in terms of being able to, to do the things, uh, to, to move your game forward and be such a, such a smart, good player. When, when I say being able to play with other good players, you've got to really know what your strengths are and, and know what you're capable of doing at any particular moment in time. It's interesting to try to predict uh, the floor and the ceiling with this player because some of those other guys that you mentioned played with one of the best players to ever play the game in Sidney Crosby and and played on the Olympic team uh, with with Sidney Crosby. So, you know, his ceiling could be a a top-line player because he seems to fit well with other top-line players. Again, you've nailed it, in my view. Fit. How do you fit? You, you remember when Phil Kessel got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins? Everybody yeah. said he, he was going to score 60 goals. Yeah. He had never scored 40. Oh, and by the way, he never scored 40 in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, again, I know how skilled Phil Kessel is. And, and again, your word, fit, how you fit with those players. If you're going to play with Sidney Crosby, there's three elements you need to have to play with. Star- Everybody says, oh, it's easy to play with top players. Oh, no, it isn't. It's really difficult. But let's just use Sydney as an example, Connor McDavid. If you're going to play with those players, there's three things you need to be able to do. And, and if you can't do them, I don't care how good your skill level is, you, you can't play with them. Number one, you have to be able to process the game at the same rate of speed that they process it. Because they see things quickly and faster than just about everybody, if not everybody else, they're playing against. So if you cannot process at the same rate, then you are not going to be able to play with them. And and that's number one. Number two, you have to be able to uh, take advantage of the opportunities they're going to present you. Like if you're wide open and you like if you process and you get wide open and you can't finish the plays and you can't, you know, produce offensively, whatever, whatever that rate is, you're not going to stay with them because you're not taking full advantage of of the opportunities they are presenting you. And then number three, they demand the puck. They demand that you get them the puck when they can be the most dangerous. So if you cannot do that, you're not going to be able to play with them. One, two, three. And you have to be... So Chris Kunitz did that. Pascal Dupuy did that. The golden goal in 2010. We, we all know. Iggy, Iggy. And mm-hmm. Iggy got him the puck. <laughs> right? The, those are the examples that I use. You know, and, and, and if you can't do that, you're not going to be able to play with good players. And you see those traits in JJ. Well, I think he's a smart enough player. So, so, so you sit here and you think about Chris Kunitz, right? Like he played in Anaheim, Stanley Cup, 
played in Pittsburgh for, for three Stanley Cups and then in Chicago. Crazy. It, it, well, you, don't, you don't think of that at all. No. Pretty impressive, right? Yeah. That's really, really impressive. Craig joins us courtesy of the uh, UFFS hotline. It's, of course, all about the ultimate franchise fantasy sports platform. And, uh, you know, Craig, you're part of high-level scouting, and you guys are now into the phase where you can just start plucking players. And, and I know Trish is really excited to, to tap into your expertise now because, you know, maybe a lot of other people, they might have just been using the Craigslist, but now we get the Craig's brain uh, to go out and, and find players. And, and, and scouting, as much as identifying the top players is, how important is those underrated, you know, diamond in the rough is a bit cliche, but th- those, those fines, how important are those guys in the scouting world? I think, Dean, we can all – Anybody can go to a game and and you you go and go, geez, who's eighty seven there? Oh, yeah. kid's name is Crosby. Yeah, you can see he's pretty good. Who's twenty nine? Oh, that's McKinnon. Oh, okay. Who's this ninety seven kid? Oh, that's McDavid. Don't they're obvious, like they are, and we all can go and look at the game and and pick out the best players. I don't think I, I think that's always the key. Scouting, you know, is is looking at players and trying to, you know, peel back the onion, so to speak, trying to scratch the surface of, of, of what they're going to be and what you think they can be. And, you know, that's where the projection comes in. You know, what are their qualities? What are they showing you at any particular moment in time that, that, that makes you believe that they can be really good contributing players? And so w- w- when I go back and I look at those types of things with young players, your point about being able to find those players that maybe most players aren't obvious. That's what I'm mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. You know, the, the obvious ones are so obvious that really you just can't even, uh, you, you, there's no debate. But the vast majority of players aren't so obvious. And there's things you like about them. There's question marks you have about them. You know, there's, there's projections you make about them. So that's where teams make real significant strides is by, okay, we feel this player has these qualities and and we feel that th- those qualities can be developed. We're going to acquire them. And that's, that's how teams become successful, you know, after the obvious players. And quite frankly, I don't think it's obvious after most cases, after five picks in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're right about that. Uh, okay, let's check in on Charlie uh, Deroche. Uh, 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 is it uh, Deroche? Deroche. All right, Charlie Deroche, a right defenseman from St. John. You have him ranked 103rd on the Craigslist. How would you describe him as a defenseman? Well, here's what I would describe him as: is really smart and really competitive, and he wants to be a difference maker in the game. You know, he, he he's not he's not a dangler. He's not he's he's not one of those players that when you watch the game you go he's fast or he's gonna but you pick up your head he's he's in every competitive battle you know for the puck and, and defensively he, he he's not physically strong enough right now he's not physically strong enough right now uh, to be able to uh, uh, handle some of the physical challenges but he's in every fight he's in every competitive battle and that's what you're looking for in players. Uh, as he physically, but, but he, he passes the puck well. He's engaged in the game. He reads the game so exceptionally well. And when you put all of that together, Dean, 
you have a player that to me has this potential. We, we, we talk about trying to find those players where things aren't as obvious, but what is obvious to me, he competes. He's, he's very, very smart. He can make plays with the puck. Like, you know, I, 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 I you got to be able to make plays with the puck and you got to be able to think the game. And, and I think his skating as he physically matures it, it is going to come where he can be a contributor. And it's and also that physical maturity is going to help him gain greater advantages in those competitive battles. He, he, he's a young kid, and he, he, he's got lots of growth ahead of him. I know this. He's a player that if I'm looking at some point uh, in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, he's a player that I'm looking at seriously, to, to, to and, and not to seriously, he, he's a player I'm looking to get on my in, in my organization. Yeah, that's kind of what I was envisioning is a, a guy that's a later round pick that uh, ha has time to develop uh, in the CHL, in the minor league level. And then, you know, I don't know where you see him on, on the depth chart, whether he's like a, you know, a third to six guy. But as we've talked about before, every roster needs a guy like that. And and sometimes, I don't know, sometimes these later round picks that have time to develop, uh, they, they marinate a little bit better than you expected. Well, they do. And like, like, I'll use a different example, like Victor Mete, who was a fourth round draft pick to the Montreal Canadiens, you know, he, he really good skater, but not, not, not really big, but, but he, he, he took the initiative in the game. He wanted to be a difference maker in the game and you can look and go, Oh, does he have what it takes? Well, they took him in the fourth round, but all the things that I just described about Charlie is what Victor had. Now, Charlie's not as good a skater at, at, as Victor at the same age, but, but you know, the qualities, I, I want to be a difference maker. I, I, I can skate. I can join the attack. I'm going to compete. And, and you learn. That's what I see in Charlie. And so, you know, I mean, is he going to be a fourth-round draft pick? I can't answer that. I'm just saying that if I'm an organization based on what I've seen from Charlie is that I want him. He's one of those players that I want to try to try to get into my group to to be part of uh, uh, helping him grow and develop, and because I know he's going to put in the time, I know he's going to put in the effort, and I think he's got some qualities. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Hop into the tracking the draft time machine. Get the puck on the move. He reminds me so much of James Neal. I think he's a better goal scorer than Billy Garrett. He's the best goal scorer in the draft. And let's see what we can learn from a past player when looking at this year's crop. <laughs> plays like John Carlson. So what do those guys do? They're able to make the plays in the offensive zone. Like Brock Besser, he's got the deadly accuracy. Nikita Kucherov immediately came to mind when I saw him play two years ago. On to Time Machine now, and uh, Tyson Forrester, a right winger from Barry, ranked 15 on the Craigslist. So we have a very gifted goal scorer from the 2020 draft upcoming. Where are we going back to? Let's go back in time to compare him to someone, Craig. Okay, I'm going to go back to the 2003 draft. Pretty good draft, <laughs> as, as we all know, right? Yeah. And I'm going to compare him to... Uh, Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist. He's part of the Triple Gold Club. Any guesses who I'm comparing him to? A former Calgary hitman, Ryan Getzlaff? Nope. Oh. Because I don't think Getzlaff is in the uh, Triple Gold Club. Okay, okay. I don't think he hasn't won a world championship. Oh, that might be a good point. Who am I? Who are you? You, you stumped me. 
I don't know if I've stumped you. You're pretty darn close. I'm stumped. I'm I'm Corey Perry. Oh, okay. Well, a teammate of Getzlaff. Very yeah, good. That's then. what I said. You weren't you weren't, yeah. you weren't far off. Anyway, and a goal scorer. I should have I should have uh, I figured that out. Tyson. So you know you watch Tyson, and uh, I watch Tyson uh, as an underage player in the in the in, and you go, he's raw, physically raw, physically immature, but. You watch him play, and you watch him handle the puck, and you watch him think the game, and you watch him wanna wanna do things in the game to make a difference. And he's a competitor. And th- then you watch, and, and then this th- this year coming into this draft year, I'm watching and I'm watching, and I'm going, this kid's a pretty good player. And and the more I watched him, the more I said, he reminds me so much of Corey Perry at the same age. Corey was thin. He was physically immature. His skating wasn't at a level. And what, he went late in the first round, and, and he mm-hmm. never should have, but he did. And so when I'm and, – and I'll be straightforward with you. I asked a couple of people that I have great respect for to come and, and you know, watch games with me, and, and, ask, and I asked them, does he remind – because I knew they had scouted in that draft, and I asked them if, 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 they, if there was any similarities to Corey Perry. Just because I have that in my head doesn't mean that that's accurate. But I just got confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. During the CHL prospects game in Hamilton, I was sitting with Steve Stales, who's the president of the Hamilton Bulldogs, and we got talking about Forrester. And this is what Steve told me. He said, Craig, he goes, in his midget draft, he played in Barry, and he said, every time I went to watch Barry, because they had other good players, he goes, Forrester was always the best player on the ice. He was always the best. I left every single game saying he's the best player. He's the best player. But, you know, you look at it and you start to think about where you can get him in the draft. You think about where his maturity level was in terms of, you know, the physical part of things. And he goes, he, I think he was a third round pick in the OHL draft. But, hmm. you know, scouts I talked to that, that, that saw Corey Perry play, Steve, Steve Stales, who I have great respect for, you know, telling me that. You know, I think I think Tyson Forster is a terrific player. I think somebody is going to get a player that we're going to be talking about in a year's time going, how did they get him there? Well, it's like the Ducks in that draft. Uh, yeah. Getzlaff and and then Perry, 28, Getzlaff, I think 19 or something like that. So yes, you're uh, pretty, pretty impressive. Now, Forster gets a lot of hype for setting up on that left dot and ripping one-timers on the power play. But I've seen a lot of different goals, and he scored – over 30 of them. He seems to be able to score from the, the slot with his wrist shot. Uh, he can deke when he has the time on uh, on the rush uh, coming down the wing as he did in the top prospects. Is he is he just simply a threat to, to score from anywhere with the accuracy of his shot? Well, he, he, he gets open. He knows how to get open, but he's not a one-dimensional scorer. He, he can score from so many different areas on the ice. And he can score in tight. He can score from distance. He can score on the rush. The other thing about him that makes him so, so good is that he's also a really good playmaker. And, and, and Corey Perry is, was a good playmaker. I mean, he is a good playmaker. And I, like, like we know how determined and competitive Corey is and a good goal scorer. But Corey's a really good playmaker as well. And that's where I see in Tyson too. So, you know, he, he can make those passes. He's not just thinking shot. He's got this, you know, this panel vision on the ice about, okay, 
okay, this is the time to shoot. This is the time to make a play. He kills penalties. He, he, he's always out in critical uh, situations. So when you look at, when I see a player like him, that I think, the, I think the only thing Tyson needs is time. It's the only thing I think he needs is time. All right. Well, speaking of time, let's jump ahead to 2021. And uh, we're talking about uh, Simon Edvinson, uh, left defenseman from Frolunda. And when you peek ahead to 2021, I think you have him ranked uh, third. I saw one Craigslist for 2021 where you, you had him ranked third. But one of the many top blue liners projected as a top picks for 2021. What do you think sets him apart from the rest of the pack? Oh boy, uh, I, I would say right away it's it's his skating. It's it's how well it, it, it's how well he, he he moves about the ice. He he moves freely. It's always hard for me to start comparing players to to Norris Trophy winners and great defensemen in the league. He mm-hmm. moves around the ice like Victor Hedman. That's what mm-hmm. I see. He he has this confidence. To, 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 to jump into the attack because he knows that his skating is such an advantage that e- even if he's jumping into the attack and, and let's just say it's a 50-50 chance that he can take advantage, he, he, he probably in his mind's going, I got a 90% chance of, of being able to get back. And, you know, that becomes such a weapon for, for players because they're hard to forecheck. They, they, they can jump into the transition and defensemen jumping into the transition and being part of the offensive thrust is, is, is incredibly important for teams now. So he, he's able to do all of that. He's able to do all of that. And, I mean, he, he's gifted. I mean, he's just a gifted, gifted skater with, with a great presence on the ice and a great confidence. And, you know, when you, when you watch him play, it, it's really hard for me not to think of Victor Hedman when I watch him play. Well, and it's amazing. He's six foot four, and he's still seventeen. So uh, he's still growing at uh, one hundred and eighty-five pounds. And sometimes when you're that big, that young, it can take your skating a little while to 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 catch up to the to the growth spurt. So he's already ahead of the game in that point. And you know, once you start adding bulk, um, he he becomes a very uh, intimidating prospect as a blue liner. And that's exactly what he is because, you know, as he physically matures, he's just going to become that much stronger. The skating's excellent. He's, he's an excellent skater in every single regard. The speed, the agility, the pivoting, the lever, everything about the quickness. He, he's got it all in the skating area. He's a smart player. He's astute. He picks up where he can really be a factor in, 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 in every area of the game, defensively, transition, offensively, everywhere. And, you know, what's going to be even – harder for opponents is when that physical maturity comes much like Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman mm-hmm. was always a, an excellent skater, but you know, that maturity allowed him to tr- try now getting in his way, try, <laughs> try now trying to deter him, try, try, trying to uh, try in your attempts to forecheck him and take him off the puck. Good luck. I just, yeah, I don't see defensemen like this guy come along very often. Yeah. Simon and, will be and, and one thing way. I say this all the time, I, I never, ever, ever scout with a tape measure or a scale. I don't because we're dealing with 17 and 18 year old kids. But I do know this, everything being equal, rarely is everything being equal, but everything being equal, I'm taking the bigger player over the smaller player every single time. Well said, Craig, and you're right. Uh, rarely is everything equal, but 
when it comes down to that, uh, it's an easier choice. We will chat next week. Enjoy uh, the outdoors of Alberta. I will, Dean. Thank you. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we got a winner. UFFS, you own the game. More goodness from the director of scouting with TSN, Craig Button, who is also the president of scouting when it comes to high-level scouting in the UFHL. Check out more details at uh, UFFSports.com. And in the next little while, we'll also bring you Craig's counsel, where Craig is going to provide some scouting tips. Uh, If you've ever wondered what scouts watch for, this will be for you. If you ever wanted to be a scout, this will be for you. If you are a scout in the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports platform, this will be for you. And if you have some questions, send us an email, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. We'll add it to the list of topics. As for our trivia question earlier in the show, name the only Erie Auto defenseman to be taken in the first round, Carlo Koliakovo, 17th overall in 2001. I watched him and actually sat with him at the Top Prospects game and dinner and uh, had a really good chat with him. He was a really, really nice man then and seems to still be a really nice guy. So he went 17th overall in 2001 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's it for this show. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe and let us know what you think of the show and if there's something you think we could improve on. And if you like podcasts, check out Podcast Alley. I got a whole slew of them there. It's right next to the Hammock District. If you'd like to be involved in this show as an advertiser, please hit me up, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. Of course, big thanks to Craig Button, the Director of Scouting at TSN. This has been Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here. My name is Dean Millard. We'll chat next week.